Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good afternoon, everyone. Ian O'Connor, columnist with the New York Post, here until 3 o'clock. A lot to cover, obviously. Jets, Giants at MetLife. Zach Wilson, the other first-round quarterbacks who played this weekend their first preseason action. We've got Peter King of NBC Sports and the Football Morning in America column that everyone who cares about the NFL reads on a weekly basis. He'll join us at 12.30. Gene Wojciechowski of ESPN College Game Day in his new book with Kirk Herbstreet. He'll come aboard at 2.30. And Zach Wilson, I think, is the obvious place to start. Now, I, I did last night was busy for me. I was covering the, the Mets game for the post, and I was watching the end of the Yankee game, and then I had taped Jets-Giants, so then I went back and watched particularly Zach Wilson, those two series that he led for the Jets. But the Yankee season, I've been watching baseball for 45, 46 years, seriously. This is the craziest regular season from the Yankees that I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, and, and they've had their heart broken, I don't know, a dozen times this year. But they've also broken other teams' hearts as well. More pain than gain this year for them. And I still think they're going to find a way into the playoffs with one of those wild cards. But we've got to talk about this Yankee season. They win a big game in Chicago last night. And they go for another series victory today in Chicago. They have Cortez on the mound. And we'll talk quite a bit about the Yankees. We'll get to the Mets and the duress they're under right now with the Dodgers and this pitching staff that the Dodgers have. It's just so hard to score off that team the defending champs, and the Mets are in a bad way now facing Max Scherzer tonight on Sunday Night Baseball. But I want to get into Zach Wilson, and I, I didn't go crazy over the slow training camp start that he had, so I'm not going to go crazy over an efficient performance in his first preseason action against the Giants. But I will say this. It was really more about the way he looked. Now, now the one concern I have about him is – I don't love my NFL quarterbacks who don't look much bigger than, than I am. And so he's just not a big presence physically out there. And it is a position now that belongs to big, strong, athletic people. He is athletic. He showed you his mobility. He's going to be able to make plays outside of the pocket. But beyond that, I, I think what I liked is he just looked like he had a plan out there. And I like the way he stepped into his throws. He, he definitely throws it with some zip. You saw that. Had some third down conversions that were good. But I, I just like the way he stepped into his throws, and he just seemed to know what he was doing out there. The progressions, his eyes looking downfield, it looked like he was understanding what he was seeing. Now, the numbers, he was 6 for 9 for 63 yards and a field goal in two possessions. I think the Jets had seven first downs in those possessions. And so that's a pretty good work for a guy right out of the gate. And particularly since he just wasn't looking very good in camp and in practices. And so I think if you're a Jets fan, and listen, if you've listened to me on this station over the past few weeks, I've talked about how I'm not sure I would have gotten rid of Sam Darnold. And it's going to be fascinating to watch the Jets and Zach Wilson go up against him in week one in Carolina. He, by the way, Darnold is not expected to play today when the Panthers play the Colts so you won't get a look at him but you certainly will week one the regular season when the Jets and Zach Wilson go up against Sam Darnold at age 23 with three years of experience the fact that Darnold had shown some flashes of excellence really with very little talent around him I, I just didn't see how it made much sense to move on from him I understand that Joe Douglas it's not his guy and he wants to succeed or fail with his own guy and he wanted that to be Zach Wilson. I did not watch a lot of BYU football last year. I saw him play maybe half a game live and and saw the same highlights that you probably did over the course of time. And I, I've heard from people whose opinions I respect who watch college football more religiously than I do say that they really feel Zach Wilson is going to be a good to very good to special player in the league and that he does have that charisma, that it factor, and that does seem to radiate from him. So, But it's extremely early. We know that there are – hey, Peyton Manning was just last Sunday inducted into the Hall of Fame. Peyton Manning went 3-13 and his first year in the league. Troy Aikman, another Hall of Famer, he was 0-11, I believe, in his first season in Dallas. So 
this is going to be a difficult period for Zach Wilson. And I think that the Jets, to me, as I've said before, I think they're a last place team. But that doesn't mean it's going to be a disappointing season. If they show improvement and if Zach Wilson shows improvement, uh, more importantly than anything else, then I think it can be a successful 6-11 and season. It still just sounds so funny to put this in a 17-game context, but that is what the regular season is going to be this year. So if the Jets are 6-11 and and the quarterback shows you he's a player and he's improving, that's actually probably a success. So it's all about him and his development this year. And last night, Zach Wilson talked about playing his first game. Well, I guess we don't have that cut. So uh, we'll get back to Zach Wilson talking about playing his first game and, and his experience. And, and uh, okay, we have it now. Zach Wilson on his first game. I mean, it was a, it was a great experience. I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, having just that game-like setting, the introduction to like, kind of like the NFL and the whole game. And uh, it's great for everybody, no matter how much, how much football you played. It was awesome just to be able to get out there and do that. I think Robert Sala, who, who strikes me as an intelligent guy who gets it, He has said all the right things about the team and the quarterback during camp. And and last night he talked about his rookie quarterback's performance as well. You know, you just want him to get his uh, feet wet and uh, show that the game's not too big for him, which he he obviously showed. And uh, especially in those third down moments, he had had a couple of critical third down conversions there that I thought was that is the epitome of playing quarterback in this league is keeping staying on the field and scoring uh, scoring points in two minute situations. On the Giants' side of it, and you would have loved to have seen Daniel Jones play a little bit, but the established quarterbacks are just not playing this preseason. And, and frankly, when you have to go 17 regular season games, you have to worry almost about load management because that's just a lot to get a quarterback through healthy. So to add on in the preseason just doesn't make any sense. So the established quarterbacks are not playing around the league. Of course, you could argue how established is Daniel Jones. <laughs> that, that is maybe a, a bit of a problem. Uh, the, the, well, the real problem with the Giants, of course, is the offensive line. And Andrew Thomas did play, Matt Pert, Nick Gates. And Lemieux was out at left guard. Wiggins was in. Hernandez at right guard. And that line did not look very good just like last year, and that's a problem. And most of the starters on both sides of the ball for the Giants did not play. The offensive line, most of those guys did. And that in and of itself tells you that Joe Judge is concerned about it. He needs, and I know he talked last night about building chemistry with that group, he needs to see them get live reps against other teams, and he knows that that is the make-or-break unit for this season to give Daniel Jones the best possible chance. Everybody says this is make or break for him. It's make or break for for him because of the offensive line. So it's make or break for them as well. And that line could be the thing that really holds back the Giants. When you look at that division, you could make a case if the line plays adequately, they they have a shot to win it. Now, the MRI, the latest MRI on Dak Prescott's shoulder came back with encouraging news. And listen, you never want to see a guy hurt, particularly someone who carries himself the way Prescott does. And so you never want to win because somebody is injured and you just don't wish injuries uh, on anyone. But so that is news that is encouraging for the Cowboys and not so much for the rest of the NFC East. But you don't know about his shoulder holding up over time, his ankle coming back from a major injury last year. So that NFC East, and you have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's never been to the playoffs. He is 59-86 and 86 overall in his career as a starter. He had that one opportunity to get to the playoffs in 2015 when he was 10-6 and six for Todd Bowles and the Jets. And, of course, he lost that last game in Buffalo where he had the three interceptions. That was his moment to get into the playoffs. He couldn't do it. So I know Washington has a good defense a very good defense. I much prefer Fitzpatrick. He is a credible NFL player, but I much prefer him as my magical or magic man off the bench as a reliever, maybe a spot starter, but not as my ace. He's not an ace. But right now, he's going to be Washington's starting quarterback, and that's an opening for the for the Giants as well. Jalen Hurts in Philly, we don't know. Philly rebounding with a new coach from a terrible season, and so we'll see where the Eagles are, but they have questions 
really across the roster, particularly at that quarterback position and not the position of head coach as well. I think Joe Judge is, is the real thing. We'll find out. His record is right now 6-10. and 10. You know what Bill Parcells used to say about records, and you are what that record says you are. So as much as people seem to really be embracing Joe Judge as the leader of the Giants, he's a 6-10 and 10 head coach until proven otherwise. And so much is going to depend on that offensive line. The first-round quarterbacks around the league, when you look at it, Trey Lance in San Francisco, he was all over the place yesterday, but he had that 80-yard touchdown on his second throw and to Sherfield, but 5-14 for 14 overall, 4 sacks, so he gave you a little bit of everything. But if you're Jimmy Garoppolo and you watch that 80-yard pass, I think it sailed 50, 55 yards in, in the air, you have to be a little concerned. So Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback. It's just a question of when. And he showed you just incredible ability. So he made the best play of, of all the guys who had played in recent days. When you look at, I thought Mac Jones for the Patriots and Belichick was good, very efficient, and did what he was asked to do. And I think at some point he will be the quarterback this season. And Cam Newton will start, I believe, week one. And people forget Cam Newton actually got off to a really good start last year and looked like one of the better players in the league in the first two, three weeks. Then he got COVID and... The Patriots really got affected by COVID, and that was part of the downfall of that season. Belichick going 7-9 and nine while Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl. And so this is a big year for him to bounce back. Brady getting ring number seven, his first with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you, don't, you know that Belichick doesn't want to miss the playoffs two years in a row when Tom Brady is doing that kind of work in, with Tampa Bay. So, But Mac jo- Justin Fields was the best of the group. 14 for 20, 142 yards, a touchdown in the air against Miami, also 33 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground. Why even bother with Andy Dalton? Justin Fields is the guy. Why take any reps or experience away from him? I I would start him in week one. He's a player, and he's the 11th pick in the draft, and it might end up being where he should have been picked ahead of one or two of the guys above him. Not Trevor Lawrence, though. I know he got sacked on that first possession, that first pass. He almost got strip-sacked against Cleveland, but six for nine for 71 yards, and he's going to be a total stud. And he may have that 3-13 and Peyton Manning first year, but he is a superstar, so there's no doubt about him. Some questions about Lance, I guess, at number three, and certainly Zach Wilson at number two. Should the Jets have, have gone that route and turned the franchise over to him? We're going to find out soon enough. But of all the First-round quarterbacks, I, I, they all played relatively well. Trey Lance made the biggest, best play. But Justin Fields was the best player of the group going through week one in the preseason. So we'll see how the rest of this summer plays out. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're talking Zach Wilson. We're talking Jets and Giants last night at MetLife. Jets winning, of course, 12-7, but who cares? Doesn't matter that result. But what does matter is what you saw out there from both of your teams, Jets and Giants fans, and particularly Zach Wilson on one side and the Giant offensive line on the other. Your thoughts on both? 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Bobby in Long Island. Bobby, you have a thought on Dave Gettleman and the Giants. Go ahead, Bobby. Hi, hi. Looks like another great draft pick uh, from Gettleman. Uh, Guy uh, Tony didn't even play. Uh, I heard he missed a bunch of practices for a number of reasons, and, and uh, it looks like you know, one of his other draft choices, which he hasn't made one good one yet. Um, you know, I mean, appreciate. I mean, Slade was right there in front of him, the offensive lineman, and uh, you know, and like you said, um, in addition to that, uh, Daniel Jones, uh, I should say Daniel Turnover. Um, I mean, you said he's established. I mean, you corrected yourself. I mean, this guy is the worst, the worst rated quarterback in a league last year with 14 or more starts. Quarterback with 14 or more starts. So I don't know why he's not going to play for the third preseason game. Push up Galloway's hurt. Tony, who knows? And he can't even have a rapper. You're going to go into opening game, and Barkley's a question mark. So opening game against a real good Denver defense. And uh, Locke looked pretty good yesterday. I, I mean, he's going to be, if Charles got to a bad start, it's, I think, again, like losing the first couple of games, it, it's going to be all over because it's going to be in their heads. Like the last three or four years, they've gotten off to horrible starts. And, uh, you know, so I, and the offensive line, I mean, 
this guy has done nothing to improve the offense. Well, it got actually worse. Zeigler Zeigler um, left the best offensive lineman. He let him go. And um, I just don't understand how he could say that. He fixed his offensive line last year where he said he got Thomas, and that really proved out to be right. You know, I mean, this guy, I don't even know, you know, look at his draft choices. Well, I'll say this, uh, Bobby. I mean, you, you, let's give Thomas a chance. I think he's still he, he came on last year, as did a number of players on that team. But I think Thomas still has a chance to be to be very good. And it's early, obviously. On Tony, we have no idea. We just haven't seen him yet. To say, well, that's all right. But that, thanks for the call. And I think that basically with Tony, you have to give him a opportunity. Thomas has had some opportunity here to show what what he can do. And again, he got better towards the end of, of last year. And so I thought he did a fairly good job last night. He was probably the only offensive lineman who did. Thomas is uh, has an opportunity now. The kid that Tampa Bay drafted, he ended up helping them win a Super Bowl. So Thomas has to be a star for the Giants, and let's see if he can be one. Now, Gettleman, it may be that this offensive line ultimately costs him his job if he is to lose his job, but... Uh, we'll find out soon enough. That Denver opener is one that, well, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater still has a chance to win that job from from Locke. I know that right now they're about even. That's how their head coach has them rated. And that is a very winnable game. In fact, I think the Giants have to win that game when you look at their schedule. And so at home, Denver, and I think the reason the league set that up was there were people in the NFL office who thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback of the Denver Broncos and to have Aaron Rodgers open up in the New York market week one, that was going to be a big deal. Well, as it turns out, that didn't happen. And so now you have the Giants, a very, to me, winnable game at home and one they might need to win if they have any ambitions as far as winning the NFC East. The only reason they have a shot to win the division is because the division isn't good. But, hey, it's almost like the Mets in the NL East. You put the Mets out in the NL West, they'd be getting destroyed, and, and that's not the only division. But uh, the Mets right now in a, in a bad way in this series, and, but they're only a game and a half back in the wild card. If they could find a way to beat Scherzer tonight, they're right there, again, in an NL East that is sort of like the NFC East in the NFL. So uh, the Giants do have an opportunity here. The door is open for them to be right there in the conversation late this season for that division title simply because Washington offensively that quarterback Fitzpatrick that is it an oppor- that represents an opportunity to me if I'm the Giants or a Giants fan looking at at the Washington football team and same thing for for Philly Dallas if Dak Prescott's healthy that's going to be the team to beat they're not unbeatable by any stretch of the imagination but Prescott has a shoulder which apparently is improving off this latest MRI. He also has that ankle. And so we'll find out soon enough how healthy he'll be over the course of this season. Ian O'Connor, 98.7 ESPN. I I said earlier that I think the Jets, to me, look like a last-place team in the AFC East. I think the Bills clearly will win it. And then it'll be Miami and the Patriots fighting it out for second place and a wild card that may come out of that division. But I don't see the Jets being better than either of those teams. But that doesn't mean it's going to be a disastrous season because as long as Zach Wilson develops and plays better as you go along, that's a win. C.J. Mosley, who has a pedigree but hasn't played football for the Jets in a, in a long time, he had this to say last night about where the Jets are. I'll go back to one of my quotes when I first got here, you know, people sleeping on the Jets. And if people come with that same mentality, they're going to get their blown out and that's 100% no matter where we where we have met life or anywhere else they think there's anything different there's anything old about this this Jets team is it's not going to end well for them and that's the mindset that we're going to bring bring to work every day so we just got to make sure that we hold each other accountable every day when we go to practice make sure we try to stay healthy as possible you know have the same mindset same goal to win every game yeah and we need to say uh, see Mosley play a lot of football this year the guy's a really really good player but it's been a long time Played a couple of games in 2019. That was it for the Jets after making the Pro Bowl, what, four times for the for the Baltimore Ravens. He is a top-level NFL player, 
and the Jets need him for most of those 17 games in the worst way. So, hey, maybe he's right. He does have a pedigree. He has seen and been part of winning football and a winning operation. And so he has some pretty confident things to say about the Jets. Maybe he's just saying them to try to pump up his teammates who are who need a confidence boost right now. Or maybe he really feels that way. But the Jets, the Giants, we need one of these teams to make a run this year. I think that it, it feels like New York football has been down now for so long. You had that one year with McAdoo where they did go to the playoffs. They were, what, 11-5 and five that year, but they got smoked in that first playoff game by Green Bay. And it's just the Giants haven't won a playoff game since they won that second Super Bowl over the Patriots after the 2011 season. The Jets have been bad for so long. But for one of these teams to break through and, and make a run at it, it's not going to be the Jets most likely. It will be the Giants. And that offensive line could be a big issue and the one element of that team that really holds them back. And it's time for the Truly Hard Play of the Game brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. I think it was... Joey Gallo's second home run, and that's nice to hear if you're a Yankee fan. He's been struggling. The strikeouts have been mounting, and he broke through last night in a very big way with the two homers. That, But the play of the game really is that towering two-run shot in the 10th inning, and Gallo talked about that moment last night. Yeah, yeah. It's always nice to uh... – to, to kind of get those results, like when you when you're, um, you know, like you said, putting together good at bats every you know every day and every game, um, but you know that's just trusting the process and believing that at the end of the day it's gonna it's gonna work out. Joey Gallo, and that is the truly hard play of the game, brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. Try Truly Hard Seltzer, 100 calories, one gram sugar, five percent alcohol, and 27 different flavors. Truly Hard Seltzer Beverage Company. Please drink responsibly. Ian O'Connor, 98.7 ESPN. I'm a columnist with the New York Post. Happy to be here until 3 o'clock. Peter King, some terrific material on the NFL earlier, and read his column, Football Morning in America, on NBCSports.com. We've got Gene Wojciechowski of ESPN and College Game Day, author of the book with Kirk Herbstreet, Out of the Pocket, Football Fatherhood and College Game Day Saturdays. He'll join us. We'll talk about the upcoming college football season Shiano at Rutgers what he's going to do in the Big Ten Brian Kelly at Notre Dame can they finally get over the hump the hump being Alabama Clemson Ohio State he's done everything there except win a national title it's hard to believe that college football season is upon us but it is in the NFL everyone's talking about the young quarterbacks the first round guys and most of them delivered and played well including Zach Wilson six for nine 63 yards against the Giants seven first downs and two possessions a field goal he threw passes to five different receivers showed some zip on the ball just looked like he had a clue out there and when he was looking downfield it certainly appeared that he knew what he was looking at and so that's a positive the Giants uh, didn't score a lot of points. They lose 12-7. They didn't have Daniel Jones out there at all. They did have their offensive linemen, and that didn't look too good. Andrew Thomas, I think, is going to be a very good player for them. It's The question mark is the rest of the line. They like Shane Lemieux. He didn't play. He's banged up. We'll see about Gates and Hernandez and Pert, and that's going to be a difference maker for sure with that team. If they can hold up, I, I think the Giants will have a shot to win the NFC East. I do. Your thoughts, 1-800-919-3776. A team that does have a shot to win the NL East still, the Mets, despite the hard times they've fallen on. And let's face it, this pitching staff of the Dodgers is brutal. And you look at who the Dodgers had lined up against the Mets entering this series. Three pitchers who came in 34-9 and with 400 and. 61 strikeouts entering this series. So now they're 0-2, losing, and it's tough, those 10-inning games at home. You figure you got to win one of those, right? And they couldn't find a way to do it either time against the defending champs, who they're just really good, the Dodgers. And when they have those pitchers going like they've been going against the Mets, I still think there's enough there for the Mets to win this division. I've written that for the post and Lindor will be coming back here at some point, and he needs to be Francisco Lindor, $341 million player when he does come back. And I, I think there's enough offense there. DeGrom, 
that is a, a major concern. The news the other day that he is being shut down for at least another two weeks before he can start throwing again, and then who knows? I don't know if he'll make another regular season start. Maybe he makes one or two at the end of September, or he doesn't come back at all this year. But I think if you're the Mets, you're looking at it like there's enough here. We have enough talent to win and a very forgiving division. The Phillies, the Braves now a game and a half, both uh, of the Mets, ahead of the Mets. But I think offensively, I still understand why the Mets are one of the worst teams in the league, average runs per game. I, they, they have the offensive talent to do better than that, if not a lot better than that. So they've been really struggling, whether they're facing Dodger pitching or, or anyone else. But I, I think that the Mets still have enough to win that division and only that division. And here's the thing. Right now, the mission is get DeGrom to October. So if he can get healthy by mid to late September, and you have him in October, if you think about it, winning that division is a, is a really it's a golden opportunity because that means you don't have to play that one-game wild-card shootout. The Dodgers are, what, 11, 12 games ahead of the Mets? If the Dodgers were in the NL East, they'd be up by 10 or so games. But right now, it looks like they're going to have a tougher road in October than the Mets would or the NL East champion would because the Dodgers are looking at a sudden-death, one-and-done game against the Padres, a good offensive team, in the wild-card shootout just to advance to play the Giants who are winning their division. And so where the Mets or the NL East champ is going to face Milwaukee isn't going to have to deal with that one-game shootout. It's almost unfair. If you're a Dodger fan, you're looking at, we're, we're definitely a better team than the Mets, and our road in October is going to be tougher than theirs if they get there, if they get there. They still can. But look at the opportunity if the Mets can do it. They don't have to play a sudden-death wild-card game. They're not getting in as a wild card, so it's only as division champ. And and then they'll play Milwaukee, a good team, no question about it. And they have some games coming up at Milwaukee, so maybe we'll get a little preview of that. But right now they have to worry about just winning the division. And Taiwan Walker has to pitch like that the rest of the way. He deserved better last night. That's what I wrote in my column for today's post. And he didn't get better, but he did deserve better. But he needs to be that kind of pitcher without DeGrom there. And I asked him after the game last night if the DeGrom news on Friday inspired him or really represented a, an additional source of inspiration to go out and deliver the kind of performance he, he did deliver. And he said, yeah, yeah. Like we all want him back, but we have to pick him up while he's not back. And so the Mets need to get that kind of pitching from him and from Stroman going forward and then they'll maybe have an opportunity I just don't think the Phillies and Braves are that good the Mets aren't that good either but I look at them offensively what they should be doing at least in my opinion I think in the opinions of many Mets fans and it needs to be better now Syndergaard came out and he wasn't the only one but was really complaining on social media about and the Mets need him back and if he only comes back as a reliever so be it to help the team win in September but they're going to need something like that. And hopefully DeGrom can give them one or two starts before the regular season ends. But Syndergaard was really upset about Major League Baseball's decision to have the Mets play Sunday night baseball on ESPN and then fly to the West Coast in the middle of the night to play the Giants tomorrow night without a day off. Now, if you look at it, this game should be over by 1030 tonight, maybe 11 if it runs long. Maybe they get on the plane by 12, 1230. And if that's optimistic, I don't know. They get to San Francisco at, what, 3, 3.30 in the morning. They're gaining three hours in the air. And, you know, they're not going to have to report to the ballpark until 4 o'clock San Francisco time. Louis Rojas already said that he'll have a late report that day. So they'll have time to rest. And, and listen, it's not easy. There'll be some jet lag, but... Rojas said last night when asked about it, we're not the first team that's being asked to do this, and he said it's just players venting. And I got the real impression that he was taking an old-school approach to it. Like, hey, let's not give ourselves any excuses to lose here, okay? So uh, they're hardly the first team to be asked to do this. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I would like it, 
But from a guy who's not playing right now, I, I just wouldn't put much stock in it. I think it's a doable proposition to fly in comfort across the country. Uh, nobody's going to be in a middle seat in coach flying commercial to do this, and they should be okay. Just got to play better baseball against really good teams at the top of the NL West and the Giants and the Dodgers. Ian O'Connor, 98.7 ESPN. Tyler Gilbert, great story last night. Arizona Diamondback starter making his first ever major league start. He throws a no-hitter. I mean, how do you do that? I guess the Padres, who have a ton of big-time hitters. Gilbert's the fourth pitcher to ever do it, the first in nearly 70 years. Great thing you saw, if you were watching ESPN SportsCenter, the highlights, his father in the stands going nuts. His father, an electrician, and Tyler Gilbert worked with him during the pandemic last summer with the minor league shut down. He was right there with his dad and running wires, and he said last night, I'd rather be doing this than pulling wires. No offense, Dad. I thought that was a great thing. So Tyler Gilbert throws a no-hitter in his first ever Major League start, and that is a tremendous story. And the Field of Dreams game, I watched it, and I'm a 56-year-old guy who did really appreciate Field of Dreams and didn't think it was as hokey and cheesy as a lot of critics did at the time, and it's really made an impact on American culture over the years. And I thought it was one of the coolest things Major League Baseball ever did. I've been watching baseball, as I said earlier, for nearly half a century. And I can't remember a cooler thing that baseball has done. And baseball is not often considered cool, but that stadium built in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa right next to the movie set, the Field of Dreams, Costner and his role in the whole presentation, the players walking through the cornfield. The game was terrific, exciting. It's funny, I had a caller uh, when I was filling in for Barton Hahn the other day. I believe her name was Erica, and I want to say she was from the, the Jersey Shore, saying that she predicted that Major League Baseball would juice up the balls for that game. And I think she was right. I had more people say that to me over the last few days. Like, I wonder if those balls were juiced because... Baseball and Fox wanted that visual of home run balls hit by Aaron Judge and others flying into the cornfield and disappearing amid the corn beyond the outfield wall. And that's exactly what they got. And for Tim Anderson to win the game that way on a home run, it really was almost like a a movie. So I thought it was a complete victory for Major League Baseball, who is very good at devaluing its own product and not marketing its stars. And you could blame some of the stars for for not helping out baseball, as some inside the league office have done with, say, Mike Trout when he's healthy and just not a guy who wants to put himself out there a lot. But baseball does have problems nationally trying to market its star players. It's a harder sport to do it in because the individual star, offensive star in baseball, doesn't have the same impact on the team and its performance as the individual superstar in the NBA or particularly quarterback in the NFL. The individual star in baseball, Mike Trout, he's been to the playoffs once. He's been the best player of his generation, and he's never in the postseason. So that's a problem for baseball. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. In this city, people will talk basketball when the Knicks are relevant 12 months a year. It's just... There's never an offseason. There's a great hunger for basketball in this city because the Knicks have been bad and down for so long for the better part of 20 years until last year or last season. And the gift that that Knicks team did give the city, which was a gift. I understand that the ending wasn't what you wanted. You wanted a first round playoff victory over Atlanta, which was a better team than we all realized, I think, now looking back at it. And then a competitive second round series with whoever that would be, whatever heavyweight they ended up playing, whether it was Brooklyn or Philly or uh, So I think that it was an ending that should not have really severely diminished or tainted what the Knicks accomplished. But this is such a great basketball city when the Knicks are at least competitive. And so you start talking about the summer league and and people call and they'd rather talk about that than, frankly, the, the Mets and Yankees and even the Giants and Jets. The NFL is a monster. And once the regular season gets going, it just consumes almost everything. But I think in New York, it's just basketball is the heartbeat of 
of the city and and the Knicks if they ever win a championship. I, I just can't imagine what that parade would be like and what the city would be like for the first time since 1973. It's been so long. Now, Brooklyn wins. That will count for the obvious reasons as as the city's first championship since 1973. But to me, the Knicks are, are the team's certainly lead basketball representative. And when the Knicks win it, if they, I hope they win it again in my lifetime. I don't really, I, I vaguely remember I was eight years old when they won in 1973. And I vaguely remember, I certainly don't remember that first championship and Willis coming out of the tunnel, hobbling out of the tunnel. But it just, I, I just love to cover it and to see it. Same goes for the Jets. I've, I was four years old when they won the Super Bowl. They haven't even been back to the Super Bowl since since that point. So for their fan base, same for the Knicks. I would like them to experience that, to get to the Super Bowl if you're a Jet fan, to get to the NBA Finals if you're a Knicks fan and win it. Now, they got there in 99 with Van Gundy, but to finally win it for the first time since 1973 would be a pretty special thing. Your your thoughts on, on the Knicks, on, on the Summer League, where they are, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Rob and Wayne. Rob, you had a thought on Damian Lillard. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah. Um, a guy 32 years or older is a finished piece. So you have your other two scorers in position. If the Knicks did this again and got an older player like him, they would just set themselves back. They wouldn't be contenders during the next four years. And then he'd, been too, he'd be too old. I think they ought to do what they're doing now. They ought to build with a young core. Maybe they can pick up a couple of guys moving forward. But you got to remember, there's only about 15 or 20 A-plus-plus players in the whole league. And you're not going to get them right now. Another thing is that the way Obi Toppin's been playing in the summer league and in the playoffs last year, He's not a point forward like R.J. Barrett, Barrett, but he finishes so much better around the hole, and he's so much better a rebounder. I would actually ship Barrett, and I would also get rid of Robinson because he's redundant. You have Noel as a shot blocker, and if this kid Sims delivers, uh, develops and delivers, you may have the first true center we've had for a long time. Good good points, Rob. I I would disagree with you on Lillard. First of all, he's 31. He turned 31 last month so it's only a year but it could be an important year I I do think he's got four to five really good years left in him and the guy is a fantastic talent he's also a great representative for your franchise for your league he is someone I would absolutely try to get and and offer Portland basically (laughs) and listen they're not going to offer Randall in a package but Barrett would be in that package and what you want to see is I don't want to beat a dead horse on this because I've said it a number of times, but in this summer league, and it's an opportunity for these younger players to to build their reputations around the league. Every team has a representative watching these games. So when Obi Toppin is going off, and or quickly is going off, and McBride and Grimes are playing really well, so it just down the road when the Knicks are ready to make a, a big deal. And I think uh, Damian Lillard will stay in Portland until the trade deadline. And now at that point, he might ask to to be traded. And I actually think Portland would honor that request because of what he's meant to that franchise. But he wants to give his new head coach an opportunity. I think he'll realize as we get into February, like, hey, we're, I'm in the same spot as I've always been in here. You've got the Lakers who are loaded. Phoenix is back. You've got the Jazz still there. You, you've got Denver, and, and where are we? We're going to lose in the first round again. And so he's. I think he'll look for a trade at the deadline in, in February, and that's where you might see the Knicks strike. He told Stephen A. Smith he wants to play for the Knicks. I, I don't see turning that down. And what I think is the most likely scenario for, for Knicks fans, if you need at least two superstars to win an NBA championship, or one superstar like Giannis, who's surrounded not by superstars, but by stars who are really accomplished NBA players. You could do it that way as well. But you're going to have to trade all these guys at some point. Not all of the young pieces, but most of them. And to, if you get Lillard and Barrett is in that deal with Picks and Toppin or whoever else would be in that deal, and I'm not sure the Knicks have enough to make that happen, the second superstar deal probably has to include Randall. 
And I've always said that I, I would love to see Julius Randle be part of a championship team because I think he deserves it after what he did for Knicks fans and the city this year. And he's just so professional and the work ethic and turning himself into an all-star the way he did. And he didn't have help in the playoffs. But Randall would be a guy he'd love to see part of a Knicks championship team. But I just don't know if that's uh, feasible down the road. Let's go to Emmanuel in Flushing. You have a thought on the Knicks summer league. Go ahead, Emmanuel. Yeah, um, I think overall the, the summer league is very good. Uh, I, I I like what the players, uh, the Bryans and the Brad are showing that they can be serviceable to the Knicks in the near future. And, and, uh, by the way, um, by the way, you know the Knicks should um, should follow, in my opinion, what the Pistons and the Mavericks in the early 2000s did. You know, draft players who um, and then pick up players who were kind of ostracized by the original team and perform well. And, and, uh, Ian, by the way, uh, next year the NBA is celebrating a 75th anniversary. Which player do you really want to? Do you never had a chance to interview? Uh, never had a chance to interview, but uh, but want to interview? I would say, and thanks for the call, Emmanuel. That's a good question. I would say Wilt Chamberlain. I I, I never met Wilt. I, I thought he was always a fascinating figure from a distance. And just to be in his presence, the greatness of, of Wilt Chamberlain, uh, I, he comes to mind. I never got a chance. Uh, I guess I could still get the chance to interview Oscar Robertson. He would be another one. And so those two stand out. I've been in – I've covered, I covered a lot of the, the Jordan Bulls in their playoff series against the, the Knicks. I've had conversations with, with those with, – with the Jordan Bulls over the years. And – Bird and Magic. And so I, that's been, it's really the guys who came before I started working in this business that I'm most fascinated by because I just wasn't around them and, and didn't get a chance to cover them. But the, the, the one who really comes to mind is, is Will Chamberlain. Let's go to Jay in Newburgh. Jay, you have a thought on the New York Knicks. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, yeah. Uh, big fan of your work. Chris. Thank you. Uh, Thanks, Jay. Uh, yeah, I, 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 listen, the Knicks. If any chance presents itself where they able to get an A plus plus player like Lillard, you have to go all in. I mean, there's no question about that. As far as right now, they have what? They, at best, they have. I don't think they even have an A player on the roster. So if if if, if it takes Mitchell Robinson uh, quickly, do it. And and number one pick, you gotta you have to go all in. And, and, and that, I mean, sure, that's just the beginning because you're going to need some outside shooting. But, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in for getting Damon Lillard, and the sooner the better. Well, and, and Jay, thanks for the call. And Lillard, again, he's not 35. He just turned 31. So he's got years left uh, of his prime. And you don't want to give everything away to get him because you need some assets to make the next deal. Lillard's talked about recruiting someone else, a big star in New York to play with him or wherever he ends up, whether it's Philly or New York. And again, he told Stephen A. Smith he wants the Knicks and he spent his career in a small market, relatively speaking. So I think he wants the big market, big city, New York experience. And, but so the Knicks have to have some assets left over to then make that deal, unless it's a straight out free agent signing to get that, second star to play with Damian Lillard. So we'll stay with the uh, Knicks. Your thoughts on the Knicks and, and the young guys progressing and showing uh, right now the, the performances have been pretty solid. They've been strong. They've been better than pretty solid in some cases with McBride and Grimes and Quickly and Toppin and, and just uh, maybe what they're accomplishing long-term because those are either go- going to be very good young pieces to have going forward to keep or to move in deals to get better players at the top of the roster. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Let's go to the phone lines, 1-800-919-3776. It's James in Queens. He has a thought on Damian Lillard. Go ahead, James. Yeah, let me start off by saying I love Damian Lillard, right? So good. You, I would trade all of the kids for Drew Holiday can lock him up on something, and he's right in our same conference. He's not devastating also on defense. So what's going to happen is you trade guys like R.J. Barrett, who we do not want to fans. 
We love you. Hey, James, try back. Your phone line is breaking up. So uh, I think what we got of that is you're a little concerned about Drew Holiday locking down Damian Lillard. If you're a Knicks fan right now, I don't think that should be your number one priority or, or your top concern on your list of, of issues. Just getting – that would be a good problem to have because that means Damian Lillard is now on your team. Worrying about one – basically worrying about one defender down the road who you might not see in a playoff matchup anyway is, is not something I think you want to really care about right now. But Lillard is a guy – Ty Butler, I know you're a Knicks fan and a basketball guy. Not a Knicks fan, but yes. I'm okay, who are you a fan fan. of? I'm actually a a Laker fan. I grew up, Kobe Bryant was my favorite player. Okay, so you're used to championships and you know what a championship team looks like. I struggled from uh, 2013 to 2019 when LeBron got there. Yeah, okay. But uh, (laughs) the the, the Lakers' version of struggling is not exactly the Knicks' version of struggling. The Knicks' struggles have been since 1973, as you know. Uh, then there have been some good years in there, but no championship years. Getting to the finals with Pat Riley in 94, Jeff Van Gundy in 99, but that's been about it. But tell me, uh, would you give away the quote-unquote store for Damian Lillard at age 31, or would you hold back some of those assets and say we'll take a pass? I just can't imagine being a fan of any team and deciding that my organization is better off without Damian Lillard. I don't think there's a single, maybe the, well, like, look at the Warriors. Like, we've seen reports that they're investigating, you know, what's happening with Dame. And that's a team that employs Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green. So if you're a Knicks fan, like, how dare you decide uh, you're not interested in in one of the 10 best players in the league? Because as you mentioned, if you don't have a a Durant, a Steph, a Giannis, a Kawhi, one one of the top tier players, you're not winning a championship. And with the Knicks, like, yes, you can enjoy the young core with RJ and Randall and, you know, Toppin and Mitchell Robinson. Like, it's fun until you have real expectations and you see that you're never going to come close to winning a championship if Julius Randle is your best player. It's just not going to happen. Right. And Tom Thibodeau, I think, is a good ass, a really good asset to have as a head coach because of the defensive commitment that he commands and demands and the work ethic. And but the problem is, is once and we saw this in the Atlanta series, once you get to the playoffs, everybody's playing hard and everybody's lights out and treating it like game seven of the NBA finals, because for the obvious reasons, you're trying to win a championship, you're trying to advance into the next round. It's not a early January night in the regular season. And that's where Tom Thibodeau, his advantage over most coaches in the league shows up in the regular season. Now, once you get in the playoffs, it becomes about talent. Stars, yes. Yeah, stars. So Thibodeau is is definitely an advantage over most coaches. Now, Nate McMillan, he did a great job in that series. Nate McMillan doesn't get talked about enough as a head coach in the NBA for what he's accomplished, and, and particularly this year, I thought he did a tremendous job with that team. Who thought they were going to the conference finals? And so I think, it, it yeah, the Knicks have to get higher-end talent. We had a caller earlier who said, well, there are only 15 of those players in the league. Yeah, well, the Knicks have to get at least one of them, right? <laughs> like, the why Knicks. can't a New York team get one of those exactly. players? And, and if you watch the postseason, the way it unfolded, with the Bucks, right, that the success they have, you know, tied to, to Giannis. You watch the Clippers before Kawhi got hurt. He was having an un- unbelievable playoff run. Uh, you watch the Suns with CP3 and Devin Booker. You watch the, the Nets with KD. Like, these are star – it's a star-driven sport. And as you mentioned, once we get to the playoffs – these are the guys that have to carry you, and the Knicks just don't have that guy. And I understand RJ's still young, and maybe one day he. I, but I just don't feel like I'm watching. Uh, when I watch RJ Barrett, I don't feel like I'm watching a a a future superstar. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about that because I agree with you. Now I, I'm re- uh, writing a book on Mike Chashevsky, Coach K, coming out in February. So I've talked to a lot of Duke people over the last couple of years, and they insist that RJ Barrett watch. You're going to see he's very young, and he is you'll see him develop into a star in this league. But when I see him, I certainly don't see a superstar developing. It's possible he'll be a star. And it's hard to define the difference between star and superstar, but you know one when you see one. And I agree. I don't see his ceiling being that high. I think he can be a very solid to good, possibly very good player in this league for a long time. Great, 
I don't think so. So, and frankly, the Knicks package for Damian Lillard, how attractive is that package going to be? I think sometimes what fans, because they're so emotionally invested, they watch every minute of every game. You know, you read the stories, you listen to them in the press conferences, you buy their jerseys, you become... Uh, to, you, you get to a point where you start to overrate your own players. And I remember you mentioned the Lakers like had that down that downward, um, I don't want to call it a spiral, but they weren't as successful once Kobe retired. And I remember being the guy, like as crazy as it sounds, saying, you know, I don't want to trade the farm for Anthony Davis with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma. Like I really enjoy watching this young core develop. And then I said, wait a minute, Anthony Davis is one of the 10 best players in the league, and then he comes and they win, he, they win a championship, and you add LeBron James the preceding offseason, um, so you get two of the best players in the league. I, so, I, so I think that's the, there's this like disease that, that fans have where you overrate your young players to a degree. <laughs> but guys, like go out there and get the superstar. If Dame Willard's available, I don't, I don't know that any player on this Nick roster – uh, can't be had. Uh, right, you're telling Portland. me you wouldn't want Damian Lillard at the expense of, your, so you'd prefer to keep quickly and top exactly. in and all these guys. I mean, exactly. They're I never going to be anything close to Damian Lillard. It doesn't so, make sense. And in the NBA, the beauty of the NBA, when you have great players on your roster, is you can give them the ball every time down the floor. Now, in like I said, in baseball, the great player can be neutralized because of the nature of the sport. And in the NFL, a great defend, defensive player, even the greatest defensive player of all time, Lawrence Taylor, he didn't play offense, right? In the NBA, if you've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they're playing offense, they're playing defense, they're out there for every possession. You can give them the ball every single time mm-hmm. down the floor. So if you have two of those guys, you're going to be in the finals. You're going to be in at least the conference finals. You're going to win multiple championships. That's just the way it is in the NBA. And until the Knicks get two of those guys, the drought will continue. But I just so the Knicks since 2000 have won two playoff series. I can't imagine being a fan of an of an organization that has had that little success in in two decades, deciding that we're better off without Dame. Like it, it's it's so mind boggling to me. Yeah, it is, and so I think that I actually think he will end up a Nick. I do. Yeah. I think he's got to get he, he's got to get someone else to come here with him though. Yeah, I think he'll have those conversations. Because you don't and, leave CJ to come play with, you know, who's the who would be the second best? Because you would assume Julius Randle has to be involved in, in a package for him. So you got to get that second star. I think opinion. the Knicks are going to try to avoid that. I think that Lillard will want Randle here at least temporarily. And, and now Randle may have to go in the deal for the next superstar. But I think that the Knicks, they really don't want to put Randle in that package. I think that Barrett... And that's why I think the first half of this season is really important for Barrett to show some 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 major improvement and some of these young guys to really play well. So, hey, here's our package. Now we're giving you uh, draft picks along with some promising young players, and that's all we have to give. Uh, I think that Randall will stay, and I don't think he'll go in that Portland deal. And so, and Damian Lillard will have to be a, a master recruiter once he's in New York. But I don't think he tells Stephen A. Smith that if he doesn't believe he will someday end up in, in New York as a Nick.